Hey everybody, it's Sam with Paranormal Overtime. And as I told you in the previous episode about our relaunch of Paranormal Overtime, this first episode is going to be a little bit about the Mothman. Now, I guess the the question I started out asking, was this a West Virginia legend? Or was this a real creature just kind of sent to warn us? Now, I want, I guess, to explain a little something and us go on a different road than most people you've heard talk about this subject. Um... I am from West Virginia, and if you heard the previous podcast that I did on the paranormal, which was called the Paranormal Review, and it's in the back episodes, the back catalog of this particular podcast, so you can go back and listen to those if you'd like, um, but... I did not want to deal with cryptids. I am a skeptic. I never really had any experiences with cryptids. I didn't really know the term cryptid until a lot later in life. But I'd always heard about the abdominal snowman and Bigfoot. But the family I was around, the people I was around, was just a joke. No one took it seriously or anything like that. Like I said, I'm from West Virginia. um, And no one around me that I knew of was into the paranormal and so I really didn't even know about the Mothman. Now I know some of you are listening to me and saying, what? How can you be from West Virginia and not know about the Mothman? Well, you've got to understand the Mothman happened in the late 60s, I wasn't born, and kind of got big there for, I don't know, a 10-year period or so, then he faded away until, you know, like 2000, we're going to talk about that, when the movie came out, and so, honestly, it's not an everyday subject here you know, growing up in West Virginia. And you're you're thinking, I know, if you look at West Virginia on the map, we have two paint handles, and you're thinking, Sam, you must be in one of the paint handles. No, no, actually, I grew up probably 30, 45 minutes away from Point Pleasant. Um, actually... Went down there numerous times. 
and school field trips. That's how close it was. The school didn't care to bop us right on down there. Um, my parents went there. I played against their high school in basketball and softball. I, you know, it was just a normal type atmosphere. So it wasn't until, gosh, probably in my late 20s that I even heard about West Virginia's best kept secret, you know. Um, my little sister, uh, one of her dad, or one of her best friend's dads, took was going to take them, I should say, on a trip to search for the Mothman. And she told me about this, and I said, what's the Mothman? What are you talking about? And she said, well, I, I don't know the whole story, but I'm going to go spend the night with one of my friends, and her dad is going to take us on this journey and I thought okay whatever and I don't know it didn't click with me I didn't care she came back from this journey and we talked and uh, she told me what he told her about the mothman and we're all they went and their little adventure to look for the Mothman. Now, as far as I know, they didn't see him, or they didn't find him. Or if they did, she didn't mention it to me. But it did intrigue me that we had this going on, and it wasn't a big deal. Now, since then, it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Do I hear a lot about it in West Virginia? No. Um, people start mentioning it in late August, then in September when the festival is, and then October when Halloween is. But... It's still not a thing. But let's talk about what is the basis of the Mothman. What is the root, maybe, of the Mothman? And for those of you who haven't really seen a drawing of the Mothman, of course you can Google it. But you can also go to theovertimenetwork.com. I put up an article um, about kind of what I'm going to talk about. If you've listened to me before, you know I'll go off on a tangent on what the article talks about. But I wanted to get down some coherent thoughts on the Mothman, so that's what the article's for. But... You, if you go to theovertimenetwork.com, you can find that article. It has a picture of the statue 
that sets in uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And this creature um, is supposed to look somewhat human, but it can fly. And I'm going to give you some different descriptions that they had when it was first seen. Um, newspapers actually reported this. People were interviewed, and the national media actually got a hold of it. There were two couples, younger couples, that were out November 15th in 1966. And they were in the Point Pleasant area, and... They told the Point Pleasant Register that all four of them had saw this. Now, between November 15th of 1966 and December 15th, of 1967 they have documented over a hundred people having accounts of seeing the Mothman in Point Pleasant, West Virginia but like I said it started with the Point Pleasant Register taking these two couples accounts Their the title in their newspaper were Couple see man-sized bird, creature, something. Uh, because no one really, you know, really knew what they were talking about. When you go back through the historical record at the Mothman Museum and uh, Research Center in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, they have other accounts of people who lived in Point Pleasant at that time were not interviewed at that time because they did not come forward. But in later years stated that they also saw the Mothman but were scared to come forward because they didn't think anyone would believe them. Or that their families or friends or whatever would make fun of them. So, I guess that led me to think, well, I was from that area. But if I would have been born in 1966, would I have said I saw the Mothman? Um, I don't know. If you've listened to me on this podcast or any other podcast... I'll be the first one to tell you, I'm a big old chicken. A huge chicken. And so, I, even after I found out about the Mothman, and living as close as I did to Point Pleasant, I never went to seek him out. I never thought, Hey, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Got in my car and drove one down to Point Pleasant to search. 
nope, not me. I never thought, mm, I'll get a couple of my friends, and we'll go search him out. Um, no. I'm a chicken. So, I don't think, even if I would have been born back in 1966, would I have seen the Mothman. And even if I would have told people that I saw him, no one, not a single soul, would have believed that I saw him. Because they know I'm a chicken. And they know that if I truly would have seen the Mothman, I probably would have melted right there on the spot or still be frozen there to this day. Because, yeah, I'm not playing with anything that could be, um, it's been described as being anywhere from 7 feet tall to 12 feet tall. Yeah, I'm not messing with anything that big. So, my parents actually were in high school at the time. So, when my sister was going on this adventure, I, you know, talked to my dad. And I said, did you know about this? And, of course, he said, yeah, it was a big thing for a short period of time. He talked to me, told me about, you know, the national media came to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, uh, different television uh, programs and newspapers came and wanted that story, wanted to hear what people had to say. He said, I never saw him because that was my first question. Did you see it? And he was like, no, but I was in high school and I really wasn't looking for him. He said, um, after a while, it all died down. It just wasn't talked about very much. So, we all kind of know that legends, stories, even true events, if they're great enough, they don't die. So, it wasn't surprising to me that it seems like it goes through a period where it happens and it's part of the state's attention or the nation's attention. Then it dies down and then somebody writes a book, somebody does a film, somebody brings a TV show to a Point Pleasant and kind of stirs it back up again. So like I said, November 15, 1966, there were two couples, Roger and Linda Scarberry, and then Steve and Mary Mollett. Um, they actually went to the police, which is how the newspaper found out. They didn't go to the newspaper. They went to the police and said they saw a large creature whose eyes glowed red and that the creature appeared to be gray as their car lights or headlights showed the figure. Now, Roger Scarberry actually told the police. He had one of the officers off to the side, and he said, Look, I know this sounds crazy, 
And I'm telling you, if I had saw it by myself, I wouldn't have said a word. He said, but the three of them saw it too. All four of us saw the same thing. He said, that's why we're talking to you about it. And so when you hear that, or you read that, or somebody, you know, from that area tells you that, you're kind of like, well, that makes sense. No, 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 no. Not the creature part. But that the fact that if four people see a basically the same thing, then don't you think it's true? Because, you know, if someone tells you a story that's kind of out there, you're like, eh, yeah, I'm not buying it. But if four people do, maybe. Maybe there's something there. Who knows? But this, I guess, is the part that intrigued me. Is if you read those newspaper accounts from the Point Pleasant Register, or if you go to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and you talk to anybody that knows anything about the Mothman, when you say... Where are they seeing the Mothman? Now, they didn't see him in downtown rockin' and rollin' Point Pleasant on Main Street. No, the creature didn't show up there. He shows up outside of town, and it's in an area, and it's called the TNT area. No, 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 not for the channel. I watch the channel, especially for AEW Pro Wrestling. But no, no, no. Um, the TNT area of, well, I guess it should be right outside of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, is the site of a World War II ammunitions plant. And there's some bunkers out there. Now, people in Point Pleasant and around... Point Pleasant, in the surrounding areas, if you go 20 miles out, will all tell you that there's something buried in those bunkers, and that those bunkers, you know, people tried to break into them to see what was in there, and all this other stuff, and that everything in World War II surrounding that area was real secret squirrel and so they will also tell you that they believe that there were toxic materials in that were kept in those bunkers at one time I have even heard people stay say and in some of the things on the internet and in the research at the museum that there may have been nuclear materials stored there. Now, do I believe that? Uh, I kind of sit on the fence on that one. Why? Because, see, 
when you actually sit down, look at a map, and kind of figure out what was going on in World War II was we were inventing the nuclear bomb that we were going to drop on Hiroshima, Japan, and Nagasaki. So, where were we doing that? Everybody automatically thinks New New Mexico, because that's where we tested a lot of the pilots were from, and trained out in that area. But when you actually go back research our nuclear program at the time, it was in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And that is located about four to five hours away from Point Pleasant, West Virginia. They're um, approximately 35 minutes from Point Pleasant, West Virginia. There's a little town called Nitro, West Virginia, that also made ammunition and different weapons for World War II. So that area is known for supplying World War II. So these bunkers are in that area. That TNT area of Point Pleasant is where they saw the Mothman. So you'll find that some of the residents of that particular area believe that toxic material was placed there, that it leaked, and possibly contaminated animals in that area. Most, they will tell you, most of those animals did not live, but there are stories of finding, you know, two-headed fish or, or two-headed birds or birds that would have four, four or five legs. Or they would find them dead because those could not make it in nature. They could not survive. But some of the Point Pleasant residents of that time said, you know, what if something did live for a little while, and that's what these couples saw. Then you'll hear them clear that up with, I don't believe it was 10 feet tall, you know. So, that's a theory. We're going to talk about several of those theories. But when other people started seeing it and they started describing it also to the police and to the newspaper and saying that this creature was able to fly at incredible speeds, they thought it would go 100 miles an hour, but that it was a clumsy runner on the ground. Well... A lot of people have taken that as fact. 
you'll hear people say, oh, this creature flies at a hundred miles an hour. No, that's kind of like me. When you talk to me and I go to a concert, people will say, well, how many people were there? Where's the crowd? And I'll say, oh, there were like 50 million people. That doesn't mean there were 50 billion people there. It's me throwing out a wild number. So I truly believe that when people were saying, oh, this creature flies at 100 miles an hour, I don't know that any of them knew what 100 miles an hour looked like. So I don't think that, I think they were choosing a fast number to accentuate that this thing was super fast. Now, in the Point Pleasant Register and other newspapers that came down to cover this story, the Mason County Sheriff. Now, Point Pleasant is a town in Mason County in West Virginia. The Mason County Sheriff, George Johnson, he was interviewed numerous times about what people said, what he did to investigate, all of this. And he is quoted at the Point Pleasant Register as saying that he believed that it was an unusually large heron. And then they had a, a gentleman that had moved down to Point Pleasant. He was originally from Salem, West Virginia. <coughs> yes, there's a Salem, I guess, in every state. But he was a contractor, and he had moved down to Point Pleasant, and he had been watching TV. His TV started acting up. There were buzzing noises that were coming from his TV. His German Shepherd ended up barking and basically having a barking fit outside, he went out and took his flashlight and was trying to look around to see what his dog was barking at. And he saw the shadows of a creature, and when he turned his flashlight on it, he said the creature's eyes glowed like bicycle reflectors. Now, the reason why I mentioned Noel Partridge, this gentleman, is because his particular story caught on, and it seems to last to this day. People always quote him about his dog barking and him going out with the flashlight. Because the next morning, he noticed his dog was missing. And he believed that that creature got his dog. And so that always gets people, grabs people's heartstrings. And 
everything. Now, it doesn't grab my heartstrings because I don't, well, I feel sad for the dog. But I'm kind of pissed at old Noel Partridge. Why? Because he heard his dog barking. Why didn't he bring him inside if he saw a creature? I'm a chicken. I told you that. But if my dog is barking, I want him to stop. So I will pick him up, cuddle with him, take him inside, tell him no, and we forget about the creature outside because we're big old chickens. But even I am not cold-hearted enough to leave my dog outside so the creature can get it. Anyway, two volunteer firemen also told our good sheriff, George Johnson, that they, together, had saw a large bird with red eyes. So, when this started getting out, that a lot of people were saying that this creature had red eyes. Of course, when you see the drawings, when you see the movies and all of that, they have this glowing red eye standout that almost signifies like a demon thing. But when a gentleman up at West Virginia University, Robert L. Smith, heard that him being a wildlife biologist, told reporters that this could possibly be a sand crane. He said that there was a sand hill crane that is a large bird that's almost as big as a man, and it has a seven-foot wingspan. But the key characteristic of it is that it has red circles going around its eyes. And he said it easily could have gotten off its migration route. Many people in Point Pleasant wouldn't have recognized it because it wasn't native to the region. They weren't used to seeing it. So it may have scared them. Hey, that actually sounds somewhat logical to me. What about you? Now, there are some other theories of how people who get sleep paralysis have hallucinations or they panic when they can't move and so their brain pulls something out of their unconsciousness and blames 
the reason they can't move on it. So, what some people say is that many of the Mothman stories describe him as kind of like a demon, like I said earlier, a demon archetype, and have him looking what we may consider to be a demon with red eyes today. So because that is a human fear, it's in our unconsciousness. So we see something that is a real life animal, such as the sandhill crane or something. We pull that out of our unconsciousness and put this demon-like figure that we've seen in the movies or we've heard about onto this real-life animal that we don't know. Could that be an explanation? And then, of course, people now blame it on the paranormal. Now, for this particular podcast, we're going to call the paranormal anything that we can't explain. Anything that's not normal. Yes, I'm doing the finger quotes, but um, there have been various paranormal theories that have been brought the last 40, 50 years. Everything from aliens to UFOs. And then precognition. And since this all was brought about, we saw people weave them together. And that's what we're going to talk about next. See, people started weaving events together after they happened. And so you heard me mention precognition. And that has been something that was started in 1967, but continues to this day. People believe that the Mothman may be a harbinger of doom. That people see him and he is warning them of a disaster that is coming. So, in 1967, people were of, I guess, two factions. They believe They saw the Mothman and a disaster happened, or the Mothman caused 
the disaster to happen. Now, today, 40, 50 years later, you don't usually hear of anybody talking about the Mothman causing disasters. You hear mostly of the precognition. He is foreshadowing an event. He is foreshadowing a disaster. So you may say, well, that I don't understand. Well, what happened in Point Pleasant in 1967 is what caused that to come to be. Remember, people started seeing him in the Point Pleasant area in late 1966. Well, just a little over the over a year after that first sighting, on December 15, 1967, we had the Point Pleasant Silver Bridge tragedy. You can go to Point Pleasant, West Virginia now, and people will still speak to you about that particular day, or they will say, oh, we lost my grandparents in that day, or, or it is still widely known and felt in that area. What happened was traffic on December 15th was extremely bad on the Silver Bridge. This bridge connected Point Pleasant, West Virginia to Gallipolis, Ohio. It was built in 1928 when cars were a lot lighter than what they were in 1967. For instance, in 1928, your average car weighed about 1,500 pounds. In 1967, when this particular tragedy happened, cars weighed around 4,000 pounds. So, when the bridge was built, the bridge's engineers never dreamed of this kind of strain being put on this particular bridge. And honestly, it came out when they did the investigation, the engineers really hadn't been that cautious about building it. They never dreamed it would have the amount of weight on it or the amount of use on it. So... A lot was actually learned from this bridge. It's very sad that it had to happen in order for people to learn from it. But um, if one part of a bridge that is not structured properly fails... Because the whole bridge was built that way, it had nothing in place to prevent the same exact thing from failing also. And it was a lesson that was learned. Because that's exactly what happened on the 15th. 
see a single eye bar near the top of the bridge on the Ohio side that held the chain holding the bridge cracked without any warning. Um, you know, it wasn't a slow process. It was something that it just cracked. The weight on that crack caused the chain to snap through that single eye bar. So by the chain's weight coming down, it ripped other eye bars into letting the chain fall other places which caused the equilibrium the balance of the bridge to be off so one side was um, going more towards the Ohio River due to that amount of weight it caused the bridge to collapse on both sides um, the bridge snapped and fell into pieces along with cars and pedestrians that were walking the bridge that day on December 15th and they plunged into the cold waters of the Ohio River. There were 46 people that died that day either from drowning or because they got crushed by the wreckage, the cars, the bridge falling, and other things. And because two bizarre events, meaning the Mothman and then the Silver Bridge collapsing, people started putting those two events together. One must have caused the other. Now, did it? No. No, I don't believe that for a second. But Point Pleasant, West Virginia was never really the scene of national media until 1966. And here, a little over a year later, the national media is back to cover this tragedy so a lot of stories of course went around like I said saying the mothman caused it he caused that one single eyebar to snap but now 40 50 years later a lot of people say that he appeared to all of those people to warn them. Now, personally, I hate that. I hate that people put those two incidents, those two events together because that tragedy, people actually died that day. And they're blaming it onto some creature that they think they saw or that other people in the town saw. 
Guys, a creature didn't have that bridge snap that day that caused people to lose their lives. It was human beings that had, you know, a bad bridge design plan. Now, luckily, Congress jumped on this. They investigated this pretty quickly, and they came up and passed the National Bridge Inspection Standards in 1968, which still are on the books today. They have updated numerous times, and it allows our bridges throughout the nation to be inspected and held to a certain standard. So the disaster that happened in 1967 to a bridge in Little Point Pleasant will never happen again. So, you know, I'm very thankful for that. But because of those two incidents, no one can forget the Mothman, especially John Keel, who wrote a book called The Mothman Prophecies. And what he did was he actually combined the real-life Silver Bridge disaster with the Mothman sightings that had happened the year before. And then he added UFO activity to it. And he had himself a best-selling book called The Mothman Prophecies. Because numerous people throughout the years have read that book, there are pilgrimages to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, from conspiracy theorists, from UFOologists, from paranormal fans. Um, actually, the town's pretty iconic. If you talk to any of the paranormal TV stars, a lot of them have been here. A lot of them uh, want to do shows there if they can figure out how to do them. Because, like I said... The Mothman didn't land in downtown Point Pleasant on Main Street. So it's not like you can go ghost hunting on Main Street. They have a general area of a couple miles. And so that's the reason why it hasn't been big in the paranormal TV community. However... The Mothman Prophecies, like I said, was a best-selling book that got a lot of people's interest just from the book, but then it was adapted into a 2002 movie that a lot of people saw because it starred Richard Gere, who was a famous movie star at that time, and this kind of brought the Mothman back into the nation's thoughts. Um, in the film, Richard Gere, he played a reporter where his wife sees the Mothman right before she dies. So, again, it's kind of this Mothman is the harbinger of doom. He's the warning guy. So, in the movie, Richard Gere later finds himself in 
Point Pleasant, West Virginia, with no clue how he got there. And there are several others that are also there, and they're not able to explain themselves. And several locals start experiencing premonitions of distant disasters, which remind him of his wife. Now, this movie, it was a supernatural horror-slash- kind of mystery film and it's what I call a love-hate film because you either love it or you hate it there didn't seem to be any in between a lot of critics praised it but there were a lot of paranormal believers and believers in the Mothman that hated the movie completely They felt it didn't make sense. They felt like it didn't offer any conclusions. It didn't come out and say, oh, the Mothman is real, which is what they wanted it to. Excuse me. And it really started popularizing the whole he's warning us. He's a harbinger of doom. So, people in the paranormal community, I don't want to say I've continued this, but there are a lot of people around the world that believe in the Mothman. No, no. Not because they've read about it. Not because they saw the movie or anything like that. But because... They've actually saw the Mothman. See, Russian UFOologists claim that the Mothman sightings in Moscow in 1999 foreshadowed a couple months later when they had the Russian apartment bombings in 1999. Others are said that the Mothman appeared around the Chernobyl area in 1985, and then the Chernobyl disaster actually happened in 1986. Outside of Mexico City, I want to say like 100 miles outside of Mexico City, in 2009, uh, the Mothman was seen. And later in 2009, the Mexican swine flu outbreak happened. And then, of course, in 2011, in Japan... The Mothman was seen, and there was a nuclear disaster in Fukushima, I believe, Japan is how you pronounce it. Sorry if I uh, tortured that and everything. Now, I am just kind of waiting for Mothman 
to have been seen all around the United States and is going to get blamed for COVID-19 and all the different variations that they've had and and everything because you know it's coming. But anyway, um, sightings in Point Pleasant have really dropped off and declined. But in 2016, a man moved to Point Pleasant, hadn't been there very long, and he told everyone in the town, police, everybody, that he saw a mysterious creature that was jumping from tree to tree. Now, he claimed to reporters and the residents that he didn't know anything about the Mothman stories or the legends or anything. But once that got out, again, Point Pleasant had a spike in visitors um, wanting to investigate his claims and wanting to kind of delve into the Mothman stories. Now, if you go to Point Pleasant, there is a historical museum there. Uh, It is the Mothman uh, Research Center. And it is, get on their website and make sure it's open. Because it's only open certain hours of the day. But it collects all the first-hand accounts, um, any video that it could have gotten its hands on uh, from the late 1960s, early 1970s of residents talking about it and giving their accounts, any information. It has copies of the papers, um, like I said, videos of the TV shows that came to town and everything. You can also visit in the town of Point Pleasant um, they've erected a 12-foot-tall chrome-polished statue of the Mothman that has massive, and I do mean massive, steel wings with ruby eyes. And every September, they have the Mothman Festival. And there are a lot of visitors in the area. Media also comes around. And tries to kind of get to the bottom of it. Now, why they come in September, I have absolutely no idea. Because, remember, all the people started seeing him in November. But anyway, um, guys, what do I think? Not much. I'm... I'm just going to be real honest with you. You're going to find out that I'm a little bit of a skeptic. But I do believe certain things. Um, This Mothman thing, even though, like I said, I grew up 30, 45 minutes away from there. It never reached me. I never heard the story as I was growing up. I think if I would have, then maybe the Mothman would have been a little more real to me. But... It's not. And since I started watching different paranormal TV shows and watching virtual events or hearing people talk or listening to podcasts or whatever, I've heard a lot about the Mothman. But like I said, 
being 30 minutes away, I never heard anything. So it's, it's, you know, really hard for me to believe. Plus, I see how many visitors and fans come to Boy Pleasant to check it out. And it seems like they never see him. So, either he's a pretty good hider, or, like people believe, maybe he's moved somewhere else in the world. Um, people always ask me, you know, do I believe that things go bump in the night? Well, yes, yes, of course I do. I am a night owl. I stay up a lot um, in the middle of the night. Matter of fact, that's when I'm recording this. So I hear a lot of bumps in the night. But usually there's explanations to them. And like I said, I'm a big chicken. But I also think there are so many explanations to what this possibly could be. I have to believe one of them is probably right. I think it's probably the sand crane thing. Although, I wasn't born back then, so I really don't know. However, you know, if the Mothman really does exist, then the story that I want to be true is... The Mothman being kind of like Spider-Man. I want to believe he was created from a science experiment that got wrong, gone wrong. That the World War II site that's down there near Point Pleasant actually did hold toxic materials or nuclear materials that leaked into the ecosystem and turned some man into, I don't know, a part bird, or a bird into a part man that could fly around and had glowing red eyes. Now, do I want him to tell the future and warn us? Well, yes. Of course I do. I want him to say, if you don't get your act straight and figure some things out and quit putting our little science experiments into the ground, into the ocean, anywhere and everywhere, then we may just get more creatures that go Bump in the night. Like. The Mothman. So anyway guys. That's Paranormal. Overtimes. Episode on the Mothman. If you guys have any questions. Comments. Problems or protests. Hit me up on Twitter. Facebook. Or go to the website. TheOvertimeNetwork.com And. Write me. I'll be talking to you soon, and hopefully, I see you somewhere down the road.